Welcome to FaithCast, a podcast presented by Publishers Weekly. FaithCast is a series of interviews with some of today's top authors who write about inspiration, spirituality, and religion. I'm Lynn Garrett, Senior Religion Editor for Publishers Weekly. I'm talking today with Elmer Towns about Grandpa Pitched for the Cubs, his new book from Heritage Builders Publishing, which is the sponsor of today's FaithCast. Elmer Towns is the co-founder with Jerry Falwell of Liberty University, the second largest online school in the world, which has more than 150,000 active members in its alumni association and graduates serving in thousands of churches across America. Towns is a well-known speaker on church growth, church leadership, Christian education, Sunday school, and prayer and fasting. He is the author of 170 books, eight of which are listed on the Christian Booksellers Association bestsellers list, and he is the winner of a 1995 Evangelical Christian Publishers Association Gold Medallion Award in Biblical Studies for the Names of the Holy Spirit. In the fall of 2013, Dr. Towns announced that he would be taking a sabbatical from his teaching and administrative duties to focus on speaking and writing. Grandpa Pitched for the Cubs is his first novel. Welcome, Dr. Towns. Thank you so much, Lynn. It's a privilege to be here. And I started writing this book 20 years ago, but I finished it on my sabbatical you just mentioned. And I finally said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put it out there. Well, what inspired you to uh, turn to writing fiction? Well, uh, I've been uh, writing about uh, Christian facts all this life. And this fiction story is really a story about my dreams because I wanted to play baseball when I was in high school. And I was never quite good enough to make it. But when I moved to Chicago in 1966, I became an avid fanatic, a bleacher bum. I had a ministerial pass that I could get into any game for 50 cents and sit anywhere. Oh, I took advantage of that all the time. And so I could name the whole lineup of the Cubs for years and years simply because I love the Cubs. I love the Cubs so much, I live every spring and die every August. Every spring, I think they're going to win the pennant, and every August, I know they're not. And so I decided to write about how the Cubs won the pennant. And I decided to say, I helped them win the pennant. And so when I was about 62, I wrote about Rimley Noel. Now, that's my first name backwards. Rimley is Elmer. Noel is my middle name, Leon. And I wrote about Rimley Noel, which is a 62-year-old pastor in Lynchburg, Virginia. That's where I live went out to see a baseball game with the Lynchburg Hillcats, and he saw his high school buddy, Harry Conley, who happened to be a coach for the Cubs farm team here in this league around here. And they got to talking, and so Harry said, come on out and pitch batting practice. And he pitched batting practice, and then he said, show me your best stuff. Well, Rimley doesn't have but half of an index finger on his right hand. And he had developed over the years a killer knuckleball, and he threw it over. And Harry said, wow, that's great. That's wonderful. Well, anyway, to make a long story short, uh, Harry C. was losing 19 to nothing. And so in the last inning, he goes over and says, hey, Ramley, he said, why don't you come out and pitch my last inning for me? You got something. So he goes in, puts on a uniform, and they see this old clown's cap. And it's got curls in it, gray curls, and he puts it on. Because he doesn't want people to know he's a pitcher. He wants them to think of him as a pastor there in Lynchburg, Virginia. So he goes out and he throws nine pitches and strikes out the Hillcats. Great. That's kind of a lifelong dream of his. 
and then it happened again about three times here in uh, the league in Virginia and North Carolina. And he just happens to show up for a game, and he just happens to go in, and he just happens to pitch. And so Harry's called up to the Cubs. And so when Harry goes up for the Cubs, obviously, Remy Noel goes up to visit the Cubs and gets a box seat. He talks to Harry, and he said, no, you can't. I can't use you today. They said it's contract problems. You can't even pitch batting practice. Well, come to find out in the last inning, they're losing 19 to nothing. So he goes to them, can I use you? So they put on a uniform. They still have the cap with the great girls. And he goes out and he pitches and he strikes out the Cubs. And so he becomes the darling of the Cubs, an overnight sensation. And he motivates the Cubs to play better than they've ever played before. Straightforward story. What do you think about that? Well, it's an interesting story because he he maintains his anonymity. I mean, people are wondering who he is, but he sort of he sneaks away after the games. Correct? Yeah, that's right. And so he always flies in and sneaks away, and he runs away. And there's several little incidents in the story of people trying to find him, media trying to find him, reporters trying to find him. But there's a sinister plot to it. When when Remley was in Bible school in Chicago. He was preaching at an inner city a rescue mission for drugs, and he comes out after preaching, and he hears this girl crying in the, in the alley. She's being raped. He goes back there, and here's a man with a gun. He points at him. He said, get out of here. And so he gets brave, and he sticks his finger out like he's going to stick it in the end of the gun, and the guy blows his finger, half his finger off. They wrestle together, and Rebley kills the guy. And so he's scared to death. It'll ruin his ministry. And the girl runs away. He runs away, gets in his car. And he drives away. He has an accident that night. It, that covers the story of the blown-off finger. But this night train uh, hack, this guy, uh, he, he's, that was his first detective assignment ever. He finds the finger and puts it in formaldehyde. And for the next 40 years, he talks to that finger, I'm going to catch you. This becomes a passion. It's almost like an evil dream. He, he counts it as evil. And so you, you look at it, you see a night train lane, an evil man who's going to going to find Remley Noel, going to find this picture. So you find two things on a collision course. Night train lane looks at the television, sees the finger. It begins doing the plot. He's getting closer and closer. And all the while, uh, the pitcher, he's got the cap on. He's got... He's hidden. Nobody knows who he is. And it gets closer and closer until, actually, he pitches him into the World Series. Is is he going to be able to play in a World Series game? And so on that last game of the Cubs in the World Series, Night Train meets Rimley, and there's a, a kind of a conflict there. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You've got to read the story. That's right. You don't want to spoil the surprise for readers. But when you read it, it's a it's a story of a pastor. He's struggling with uh, should he preach on Sunday or should he pitch on Sunday, and there's that inner struggle: does preaching come first or does pitching come first? So you've got that conflict going on, and you've got Night Train Lane. He's a Roman Catholic. He goes to confession and tells the father about that finger, and, and so it's really quite a interesting story. I think people will enjoy reading it. Right, and aside from it being um, a story, it, how does it fit with your other books and with your work as a pastor and teacher? Are you hoping the book is going to achieve something on a spiritual level for the readers? Oh, that's a great question. Now, I could come up with a very spiritual answer 
and uh, pontificate. But no, first of all, I did it just kind of a, a self-fulfillment because of my love for Cubs, my love for baseball. And I just sat down and started writing it one day. And uh, it's really a study in personalities and how people try to deal with the struggles of life. Right. And do you see yourself continuing to write fiction? Do you have ideas for more novels? I'm going to write two more fictions. I'm going to write one on Diana, who is Job's wife. Everyone talks about Job's wife and Job, uh, the man who went through all types of pain, all types of of difficulties in his life, almost died, and he had a wife. And so I'm going to talk about the wife now. You get back into the old Hebrew rabbis, and they think that Job's wife was Diana. And so I've got to set the stage. And so I did, I've done that novel on Diana and how she helped him and how uh, after they turned uh, 70 years old, I think Job was about 70 when he went through all of his uh, temptations and trials and physical torture. He was about 70. After she was 70, the Bible says she had uh, 10 more children. And so that's quite enough for her complaining. And I have children at that later life. And so I, I followed through all the way to the day of their death, which is about 220 years old when they both died. And to take them right up. So uh, maybe we can talk about that at a later time. Well, sure. Um, but it does sound like that book might have more of a, a, a spiritual intent behind it. Am, am I right about that? Yes. Uh, that, that's going to show uh, how to deal with difficulties. Uh, it'll, show, it'll show a woman. See, Diana was raped as a young girl. And uh, she was raped, and yet how she overcame that difficulty, it made her a strong woman. And women will read that because there's a strong woman they can identify with and to see how she overcame all the difficulties of her brothers and all the difficulties of the rape, and how she continued to live for God, and she married Job, and how uh, that strength got Job through all of his difficulties. So that'll be a great book coming up, I think. It's called uh, Job's Wife, a very simple name for a book. Mm -hmm. And when do you expect that to be published? I think that's going to be out uh, around Christmas time, is what I've heard. Okay, so with Heritage Builders and Christmas 2015? Yes. They also have a second book coming out by me. I was busy on my sabbatical. It's called Three Searching Kings. And so I have bought into the theory that there were three kings. And so I built the, the story of these three kings from Persia who actually go and find the baby Jesus. And that story will be out in the at Christmas time for this year. Since you love baseball so much, do you see yourself maybe writing some more novels that have a baseball setting? I've often wondered, when we finish, if Noel, if Ruby Noel takes off pretty good, what's going to happen to him a few years later? Uh, is he going to go back and pitch when they find out in the church who he is? Does, does he pitch in church leagues, and does he, um, does he use his pitching ability? Does he... Does he put the wig on and go around to other churches and preach? And so I thought, maybe there's another story there, a sequel. What happened to Remy Noel when he's no longer famous uh, in, in Chicago, Wrigleyville? What's going to happen to him when he's back in Lynchburg, Virginia, with just the church? And so I think there's a story there. So we might be seeing a series of books on, on Grandpa who well, plays I think, baseball. Well, uh, let's not say series. Let's say two, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Writing comes so easy to me. When I first started, I was living in Chicago, or greater Chicago. 
I would start writing at night sometimes. The kids and I would watch television until about 8 or 9 o'clock at night. When they would go to bed, I would write from 8 or 9 o'clock at night to 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning. I was teaching, and I was uh, basically teaching uh, nine semester hours, and I can fulfill my classes and write. And so I started turning out the books because it just comes easy, and I have things I want to say. Well, do you see yourself going back to your academic work at all, or do you think that uh, no? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I I see myself that, yes. Uh, I'm also working on something else out for Heritage Builders. It's called a Family Prayer Bible. We are interpreting the Bible into modern-day language for a father and mother to teach their children and read the Bible stories to them. And so we're going to start to take them right through the entire New Testament, the life of Christ, the, the early church, the epistles. And, and, and so we're going to give them background, how the different books of the Bible were written, uh, what's the meaning of the book of Revelation, so that we're going to put it all in stories for children. Now, I do that. When I get up in the morning and I write another story, and so that's part of my daily devotional with God, to write what God is saying to me, I write it down so I can say it to families like I would have said it to my children when they were small. So it'll be called a family prayer Bible. Well, it sounds like you've got some interesting things coming. Well, I'm busy. I'm 82 years old, and I don't want to give up. I want to keep serving the Lord as long as I can. That's great. Our time is ending. Thank you so much, Elmer Towns, for talking with us today. Thank you, and God bless you. Elmer Towns' new book, Grandpa Pitched for the Cubs, is being published by Heritage Builders Publishing in April. Heritage Builders is the sponsor of today's FaithCast. I'm Lynn Garrett from Publishers Weekly. Thanks for listening.